Let's pray. Father, take your word and inscribe it upon our hearts. Take your word and make it real to us. And Lord, open up to our, us our eyes that we might behold more than our 2020 vision sees and beholds. We pray, Father, you'll bless all those children and the leaders, the teachers that have left this tent to go down for their children's church this morning and in the crash. Lord, bless each and every one of them. And so, Father, to that end, glorify your Son in all of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What a verse. Verse 21. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, where the Father hath placed him far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Notice, and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So not mighty. Think about that. We'd just sort of skim over that, wouldn't we? Think about that. Not only in this world. So Christ is the head of the church. Christ is our king also. But he is also reigning from heaven. And he will come to rule and reign on the earth. Not only in this life now we live, but the life, the world that is to come. I want to point some things out to you. Because we're going to talk more about some spiritual things again. And we want to just open up verse 21 before we go any further. Notice, he's far above all principality and power. The word far above here is the word huperano. It means above and over and beyond. For example, in Ephesians 4 and 10, the word is used again. He that descended is the same also that he ascended up far above, notice, all heavens, that he might might fill all things. So the Lord Jesus is far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and all sorts of things like that. Not only now in the heavens, in heaven at the right hand of the Father, they're interceding for us, but here on earth, Jesus is ruling at this present time. For example, in Ephesians 1 and 21, the word principalities here is the word arche. Arche, and it means the first one or the leader. It also gives the idea of the beginning off. Like you have the arche of a river is where the river starts and starts to gather as it flows down the mountain and so on. The word here for principalities, arche, is where we find it from the root word for archangel. So there's ranks in the spiritual world of angels. We have it on earth in man's, uh, if you want, man's idea of church, archdeacon. Or if you want, archbishop. And of course, it speaks mainly here in verse 21 of the angels in heaven. The angels in heaven. So there is a spiritual world, spiritual beings. And there is a place called heaven with these beings in it. I want you to take note of this. It speaks of the angels of God. The angels of God. 
because there are angels which are fallen and they are not now termed as the angels of God. For example, will you flick quickly with me to the book of Luke, please? Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 8. The Lord Jesus says, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. If you're confessing Christ as your Savior, witnessing for him in this life, then Christ will also confess you before the angels of God. Verse 9, And he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So if you deny him in this life, he will deny you in the next. Remember, he is far above all names that are named in this world and in the next. So he will say, I don't know those who don't know him. That is, in an intimate fashion, as Lord and Saviour. Kenneth Woost, in his Greek New Testament studies, this is what he says about this. I quote him. This usually refers to holy angels or demons. Here it refers to the former, since the exaltation of Christ is in view. Not his victory over and not his victory over the hosts of Satan. So what Kenneth Woost is saying is this. The main principalities and powers and mights and dominion. Here the principalities are the angels and their rankings. In other words Christ is not a created being like an angel. He is eternal. Even as Glenn had said around the table from of old to everlasting. From everlasting pardon me. And so here, uh, Kenneth Woost is referring to this verse saying, yes, principalities can mean demonic realm. It can mean that. But here he's speaking about the heavenly realm and the angels of God. For example, in Hebrews 1 and verse 6, it says, let all the angels of God worship him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen, exalted son of God. Let all the angels of God worship him. And in Hebrews 1 and 7 it says, He makes his, maketh his angels spirits. So there's a spiritual realm, spiritual world, and his ministers as a flame of fire. So in our first verse, far above all principality and power. Would you say Power. You see, mainly there are others, but the two main words for power in the the Greek is either exousia or dunamis. They're the two main words that are used for it mostly. Here the word power is the word exousia. And in this uh, reading, uh, the rendering, the context that is written in, it means a delegated authority. A delegated authority. And so Christ is far above all delegated authorities. Every delegated authority. It can also mean the license of, the privilege to have. But here it gives the idea 
that there's been a delegated authority and Christ is far above them all. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because I've told you things last week and I want to speak some more this week. And I don't want anyone leaving here not knowing that your Savior is still on the throne. That he is overall. So let me just go on a little bit more. For example, the word might in the verse, power and might, is actually the word dunamis for power. And it gives the idea of an inherent power. Something that is inherent. For example, those of you who follow the football, when a player comes off the pitch and he's in a street walking down, you might know him through his fame, but those who don't know him, like I wouldn't know any if they walked past me and hit me in the head with a football. Uh, I wouldn't know who they are. But at the same time, the, what they have, the skill and the ability that they have is inherent. And when they step on a pitch, then it's released. The same with the word dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. A stick of dynamite, you could leave it here on the pulpit and we would be, I suppose, relatively safe. But light the fuse and you'll all be scarping out those doors and so would I. Because the power is about to be released. That's the dunamis, the might here. Christ is above all other powers, all who have delegated authority on those who say they have power. Christ is above each and every one of them. Let me just give you an example here. In Mark 13 and verse 26, the Lord says, And then shall they see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. The word power is dunamis. When Christ comes, it will not be a bless me time for many, but it will be a powerful time when the powers of heaven will be shaken at the coming of Christ and he will be seen. Here it is again in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall receive here the power is the dunamis. When the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2, it says, then you will receive power. But when we think about it in John chapter 20 and in verse 22, the same people he's saying ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, in John 20 and verse 22, he breathes on them and says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And then he tells them you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. There's something wrong here, is there? In other words, they're already received the Spirit. There was a second blessing for them to be had. There was a second blessing of an outpouring of the Spirit to come. It wasn't all in the one go as we hear, but rather Jesus says, here's the Holy Ghost, and he breathes on them. Then we didn't tarry in Jerusalem till you receive the blessing, the promise of the Father, through the same people. The word power is again dunamis. Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the dunamis, the dynamite. When we preach the word with the Spirit, then what does it do? It wakens the dead. 
the spiritually dead in Christ. It regenerates the heart. It, it speaks to them and convicts the sinner. That's the inherent power of the preaching of the word of God. That's why souls are saved at the preaching of the word. And if you're in the church and they don't preach the word, how do they expect a soul to be saved? They might have a gimmick which appeals to the flesh and they come to like the very place where they are. And they may come up and say, yes, I want part of, be part of this. And I'll say Jesus is Savior. But has there been a real move of the Spirit in their life? And has there been a real entering of the word of God to their heart? So we see here the word dunamis and also the word exousia. Far above all principality and power and dominion. The word dominion means lordship. It can speak of government and one who possesses dominion. Listen to Alfred's Greek New Testament before we go any further. Alfred writes, In this enumeration, not only earthly nor only heavenly authorities are meant to be included, but both together. That the evil spirits are included is therefore manifested. So when he now speaks of dominion, Alfred in his Greek means that Christ is far above all in heaven, far above all in earth. You know, when those spirits are moving upon the elitists of the world, the wickedness in high places of government and of those who are the oligarchs and the billionaires and the multi-billionaires and the, the high-ranking ecumenical religious leaders who take dominion, Christ is above them, far above them, not only in heaven and on earth, but of the demon, the demonic realm also. So if you're saved this morning and you are born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith you're trusting in Him and walking close to the Savior. Then you, brother and you, sister, you have a greater power within you and one who's on your side. And yet, and yet Christians seem to be afraid. Afraid of the world afraid of people and afraid of the devil and the spiritual realm. I told you last week of how I had that experience of being brought out of myself, crying unto God, had that experience of when I got saved and how that came to me again, this, uh, this dark demonic figure And all of that, I didn't realize last week because I struggled to bring it because it was personal. But the amount of people who contacted me, talked to me during the week, who said, that that has spoken to me, that has helped me, that has encouraged me, or to whatever level. I, I, I was surprised at so many people that it really had challenged even and spoken to. So we want to look a little bit more at some of this spiritual realm. Remember one time, I started seeking, I'd heard from our pastor McConnell for a long time about, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He used to speak, he used to speak and talk about this spiritual realm and 
I had a real thirst for it. I had a real hunger for it because I knew there was a spiritual darkness that I'd been saved from, that I'd been delivered out of. I knew it. I was well aware of it. And so I wanted to hear more of it. I sought the Lord and I sought the Lord and I sought the Lord and things started to happen. Yes, there were challenges. Yes, there were difficulties and there were hard times. But I can tell you there were many, many blessings. Many, many blessings. I was in Romania. I would like to say I was building the orphanage there, but I was, I have no skills. If we want something done in our house, I stand for what we call the tool man. That's Alice's dad. The tool man comes around and fixes it for us. I really don't have the hands to do it. In fact, I tried to do something at the weekend. I was a big power pack. I had one of them big tanks on the back and spraying this bleach all over the place to try and get all these stains out of the back. And I thought, boy, it's warm today. And I took it off and the bleach had been running down my back the whole time. And all my clothes were white the whole way down the back. It was just Saturday past. So Alison's dad would be called on a regular basis. But I remember, and I can, I'll never forget what I was doing. In Romania, they don't just, you know, wait, say, throw that away and get, get another one. Even the very old nails, because it was so poor a place, they actually straightened out the nails with a hammer and never threw a nail away. And guess what my job was one day? 35 degree heat, straightening out the nails. And I was down on the ground, straightening out the nails, and these two feet came, and I heard this voice, right, son. <laughs> and it was Pastor McConnell had flown over. And I looked up. I says, I, I, I didn't realize we were coming. And he says, ah, he says, I want you to go for a walk with me. So when you go for a walk with Pastor McConnell, <laughs> you're usually in trouble. And I thought, what have I done now? We walked up through the villages, had a chat, and he brought me into this. It's a pure, it's not a shop, it's like a room, empty room. It's meant to be a shop with about two or three things in it. They had nothing in we got a, a bottle of Coke or whatever it was and we were drinking it and, and he said, I want you to come here when this is built and look after the place. And I thought, oh dear. I says, well look, I'll pray about it. He says, of course. And you can come and let me know. So I, I went and I phoned Allison right away and I says, we're going to have to start seeking the Lord because he wants us to come here and there's a wee house out the front of it where we could open up for a, little, a small church. And so when I came back after the weeks of his way and I came home and we were in the house in Deacon Street. And I and Allison thought, the Lord says no. We were praying about it. And we went to see him one day and he says, praying about this. We called him the bishop. Praying about this bishop. And we're not getting anything. And he went... Well, maybe the Lord just hasn't spoke to you yet. Go and pray again. And off we went. But coming up to before this, we knew that the Lord had to do a few things because we were stuck. We couldn't do it. Alison had taken ill with ME 
I mean, she was that bad one time I seen me feeding her cornflakes. She couldn't lift her hand to her mouth. And the Lord healed her. Alison, come on up and tell them how you hit. Come here. She can tell it better than me. Ask. Come on up. I asked that we give her the mic, so. Oh, I'm definitely being... Oh, my word. (laughs) Now you can hear me for sure. So as I had said, pray through and don't be through praying. So this was the verse of scripture that the Lord gave me at a healing service with Pastor McCall. And it's Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard... That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You see, I was faint and I was weary all the time. That I never really had much strength. Anything I went to do, I would have got tired so quickly. And that was my scripture. 
Let me continue on. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Well, if I was having a bad day, I stood on that scripture. Lord, I need your strength. Will you increase my strength? Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait. You see, that's part of the scripture that nobody really wants to read. We want to rush on past that, don't we? Because who has patience to wait for the Lord? You see, when they me, I had no choice but to wait. I couldn't do the things that everybody else was doing. They told me I wouldn't even be able to have a family. So that was, all I could do was wait. But I began to realize there's just sitting down and there's waiting on the Lord. And I began to wait upon the Lord. Here's why. Because it says, he shall renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall. It's a promise. They shall renew their strength. And every day that I was having a bad day, I read this scripture and my strength was renewed. Not always was it physically, but it was renewed spiritually. And see, when you start to be spiritually renewed, you start to be physically renewed because you can't keep this. You can't hide it. So if you're here and you're going through something, reach out to the Lord. So what I used to do is gather all my strength. I didn't go out on a Saturday to do my shopping. Instead, I would have rested because I wanted to get to the house of the Lord. And I wanted to meet the Lord. And I done that on a Sunday morning at the Breaking of Bread service. And it was at one of these services. It was just any other Sunday, just like you. You've come out this morning. You're not expecting a whole lot. But my advice is come expecting each time you come to meet the Lord because he's willing and able and he gives and he loves to give. He loves to give to his children. So I had gone this Sunday morning and we were we just broke bread and Pastor McConnell began to sing, be still and know that I am God. And he said, if you're here and you have a need, I want you to stand up and reach out and worship the Lord. Now, when you're sitting in a church of 3,000-odd people, I can honestly tell you I wasn't really one of those people that wanted to stand up. I didn't want people to know that I had a problem. I was thinking, oh, there's 3,000 eyes all on her going, oh, I wonder what her problem is. wonder what's wrong with her. And we're all a wee bit like that, aren't we? We're all a bit nosy. But I had to be like the woman with the issue of blood. I had to get past myself. My need drove me to the Lord. I didn't care what anybody thought. I didn't care what anybody was thinking. I needed a touch from the Lord. So I reached out my hand and I touched the hem of his garment and virtue left him and filled me. So when I'm standing singing, we sing the next verse and it's this, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Well, how many times had I heard that? I'd sang it many times and I knew that verse of scripture. In fact, if there was a verse of scripture on healing, I was sure I had read it 10,000 times. But this time it entered my heart. The rhema word of God entered my heart. I felt it. And when I was standing up there, in fact, I actually thought Ken had got up and stood with me and put his arm out on my shoulder, but he hadn't. He was still sitting there but I could feel a hand on my shoulder and I could feel a heat. 
and this heat washed all over me. The presence of God overcame me, and I knew I'd been touched. Touched in a way that I'd never been touched before. Healed. Healing. You see, I was brought up brethren and free peas, and these things aren't really mentioned much, let me tell you. You know, they'll tell you they'll pray for you, but nobody actually says, you know what, I believe you can be healed, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is, folks. He is the same. So when I got healed, I was made perfectly whole. Perfectly whole. Able to do things that I could never do before. In fact, three days later, with the help of Ken, maybe having to carry me on his back the last bit, I was up on the key of hill looking out over at Pass McConnell always sold us this dream. He told you about how he would go up there to pray and he made it sound so beautiful that I wanted to get up there. Well, I, I, I got there. It wasn't as pretty as I was expecting, but it was lovely just to be able to say I'd done something that I couldn't have done before and I'd done it because the Lord had healed me and I'd done it in his strength. Alison, why were you healed? To do, go and do whatever you wanted to do? No. Because the Lord had a purpose and a plan in my healing. He healed me to serve him. To take the energy that I didn't have to serve him. Because after that, he called me to Romania. And if you're here and you're thinking, oh, I'd love to be healed. My advice is keep praying. But when he heals you, don't go and serve the enemy. Don't go and serve the devil or don't go and serve yourself. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's worthy to be served. All right? Bless God. You see, I wanted Alison to tell you her own experience of this, because I could tell you, but to testify of what God has done, I was there, obviously, but she experienced it. And, you know, we can come here, and I can dissect the word of God for you morning and evening, and so we should. The word of God will always have preeminence. But to try and show you that this word isn't just a dead word. It's a living word. Of a living God. Of a living God. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. Maybe you're here this morning wondering, well, why did I come? Maybe you came just to hear this. Maybe you came to hear that your God is still in control. So I was saying, Lord, if you want me to go over to Romania, I cannot take my wife like this. It's just impossible. Impossible. So Alison gets healed and we have a house. And I'm seeking the Lord for the baptism in the Spirit. Nothing's happening. Three years I'm seeking the Lord for it. I wanted it before I went. And told about the power and the anointing it brings. And I'm praying about it and praying about it. One day in the living room. I'm seeking the Lord about Romania. Praying and just myself. And I have the Bible open. I'm reading the word and I stand and I start singing on my own. I just stand singing. And hands out like this singing in the living room. Doors closed, no one else. I started to sing hallelujah for some reason, and then suddenly from within, not from away up here, from within, I felt the Spirit welling up in me and coming forth 
and I spoke with other tongues. Now this gift is precious and some people denounce it. They don't know what they're dealing with. They don't know what they're denouncing. This is precious to me. And on the other hand, there are those who abuse it and it really grieves me. I mean, it grieves me. It becomes like a showpiece for them. Lord Jesus in John 7 said that he, that if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth in me, he says, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And in the same afternoon while this is happening, suddenly window rots and it was a friend comes in and I and be honest I'm saying oh please don't leave don't 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 Lord I don't want to leave this this was so glorious there's no music there was no laying on of hands there was no emotionalism it was just me and the Lord and the friend comes in and he wanted me to help him with something and he sits down talking and all I could think in my head was Lord get him to leave and come back later on then my brother comes, he was backslidden, and I went, oh no, here's another one. As much as I loved him at that point, I was just in love with Christ. And he comes in, and they're sitting talking, and I couldn't tell you a word they said, this was just on me. It's like I was there and I wasn't there. And they're talking away, and then Alison and her mum were out shopping, and Ed came in, she had been healed. And they come up the hall and out the, in the door, on out of the kitchen and closed the door, I listen and I'm sitting here they're talking away and the Lord spoke to me get up and leave and I'll bring your brother back now so I get up and I walk through the living room through the kitchen door close the kitchen door and all of a sudden and their mum are there and they say is everything alright I says yes Stephen's going to come back to the Lord here. All right, we just talking to him. I says, no, the Lord told me to leave. He's going to bring him back. Within minutes, the door opens. My friend says, I've got something to tell you. I said, I already know. He says, what do you know? I said, Stephen came back to the Lord. Could you hear us? I says, no, I told them before he came back. This is real, brothers and sisters, and people don't realize that it's real. I sought for years that the Lord would do these things. And sometimes we also have to try and put away our own prejudices. I'll tell you why. In 2013, my father went through an operation. They said it'd be in... Uh, the ICU intensive care for about three days before he gets on the ward it was a big operation but he was actually in 11 days and I would have went and sat with him in the ICU and then they asked you to leave for a while and I either went and checked his house or whatever came home sometimes and one day I'm sitting in the ICU and some of them here who were with me I mean that were I pastored at the time are here this morning. I'm not going to mention any names, of, but I'm sitting in ICU with my own father about to leave, thinking the time's coming up. 
And I'm walking out and the Lord starts talking to me as I'm praying to him. Go down to Craig Alvin Hospital now to the intensive care. From one intensive care city hospital to Craig Alvin intensive care. And I'm thinking, is this me? Is, am I going mad here? I want you to go down. And there was a woman, an elderly woman in our church. The family have gathered round. She's going to die. I want you to go and tell her she's not going to die but live. Now the family are called around the bed. Please don't be looking at me for this because this is nothing of me. I'm just like everybody else. But I get down and the whole way through down the motorway I'm saying, Lord, please let me know this is you. I couldn't get the burden off me. Please let me know this is you because I'm going to make a big fool of myself. Couldn't get the burden off me and I walked down and true enough, there the family were around the bed. They were in the family room and some were taking time back and forward to the bed. I visit the family room, a couple of family take me to the bed and the woman is lying here. And very weakly she looks and she looks up at me, she's lying flat in the bed and she takes my hand, or rather I take hers. And she says, very weakly, and I had to get down to listen, she says, Pastor. She mentioned her daughter's name. She says, has the hymns from a funeral. I think I'm going to be with the Lord now. And I says, listen to me. You're not going to be with the Lord just now. The Lord has sent me here to pray you out of this bed to say that you're not going to die but live. Now you imagine doing that. And I prayed and nothing happened. So I decided to pray again and nothing happened. And I felt so embarrassed and the family looked and I'm sure they were very angry with me because I would be if it was my loved one. And I left. Drove back down the road and sat with my own father again in the intensive care in City Hospital. Next morning the phone rings and it's the family. Pastor, could you come over please quick to the ICU? Yes, I'll come over. Go over as soon as I can. As I get over as soon as I can, I walk into the ICU and their bed was empty. I don't know. Maybe missed them. They called me out and into a side ward and there she was sitting there eating her breakfast. She's still alive today. And she's still at her meetings today. But here's the thing. My daddy died. How do you work that out? How do you work that out? Because it's not of me, it's of him. It's his will that I deal to. When I hear of people saying I'm a hater, no you're not. There only is one hater and his name is the Lord Jesus. I'm bringing these things so that you'll know that there's more, to try and encourage you, there's more of us in the spiritual world than there is for us than there is even in this world. No time's gone, but let me just close this with something. When we were in Romania, 
I tried so hard. We were up against it. It was in the late 90s, 1999, I think. And there was still a lot of the dregs of communism there from the Soviet Union. And literally when I was going from village to village to witness the people, there was the man standing, and I'm not joking, with a pork pie hat on, the Dexter coat and a briefcase. Coming behind me. Alice and I were bringing uh, a lot of uh, aid in for people that live with nothing. One day we were bringing it in and the crowds were all around and they were so happy and then something, I seen a flash and I ended up on my knees or on the floor. Somebody had hit me with an iron bar in the head. They wanted me to go. They wanted to get rid of me. The people protected me there. And one day, it was a Sunday morning, sun was splitting the trees as we'd say, and there's one little road goes for miles right through all of the villages, away from the main road that is, and they're all dirt roads after that. And I'm standing at the, where the little church was, and I thought, right, I'll go in and I'll, with a few minutes, it's a wee bit like myself on a Sunday morning, we think we're going to be empty, and then all of a sudden you all just packed in. But I went in, there was nobody there. Nobody. They're all being warned off. So I come out and I walk right down to the back end of where the home was at Lake Lengthways and stood around the back. Everything was against us. Everyone was against us. There was no help for us. No one knew but our exact location, as it were. Even communication to home was difficult. We were on our own. We were, we were just... It was like we were just set away and there's Alison and myself. And now there's nobody come after the work that we had done and there I stand at the back of this church with just so discouraged. So discouraged. And the road comes, it's a band comes here and it just came right along and on out towards the next village. It's a wee rickety road, it's a tarmac but it's bumpy and there was two houses here just looking facing over the road. So I'm praying, Lord, do you even know where we are? Do you even know what's happening here? I I can't do this anymore. I walk down to the edge of the road and I'm looking at the sun. You see this wee dot coming like this. This wee bird. And it caught my attention between the houses. A car comes around and says, dipping over the road car hits it and falls right at my feet son do you not know that I know every sparrow that falls to the ground do you not know that I know this sparrow that fell at your feet I walk up the back Lord I'm sorry Tears are streaming out of me by this time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doubting you, Lord. I walked back down again. I walked into the church thinking I'll close the doors and it was packed. It was packed. Listen, you might feel it all's against you. You might feel that you're cut off. 
Listen, I know what it's like, even in Northern Ireland, when everybody's against you. I know, I understand that. There's a lot that are against me every day. But listen, I'm not looking to them. I've learned, I've learned not to look to them, but to look to the Lord. To look to the Lord. And the amount of souls that were saved in that wee church. When we came home, we came home for a couple of weeks break and we didn't get back over again. There was a lot of stuff happening and anyway. We left it with the Lord that the Lord would sort all things out and he did. So I'll tell you this and this is the end of it. Alson had got healed. My brother came back to the Lord. This is all in the same, or pardon me, not Alson. This is going to happen in the same afternoon. My brother came back to the Lord. I felt that I just needed more time with God. I left and walked up the road and into the Grove Park down the shore road, York Road there. And I walked around praying, speaking to the Lord. I, I was as if, I just felt I was walking in heaven. He was with me. He was there. He was in me. He was around me. Now this is the same afternoon. I wanted this and the Lord gave it to me. I needed Alison healed and she was healed. Now I'm praying and the Lord says, go now, tell your wife, you have to give everything away. Take no money for anything. Give it all away and go to Romania. Can you imagine that? And I thought, Lord, will you tell Alison first? I did. So I prayed for a while. I was walking up and down going, like, Lord, I, I, what am I to do? What am I to do here? I can't. You have to do what you're told. You have to do what you're told. So I go down, come in the door, and Alison is in the kitchen. I walk in to go, right, here it goes. How am I going to tell her this? In fact, our house had just been completely renovated and we're only in it a few months. And there she was, her back, working away at the kitchen, we long kitchen. And I said, Alison, she turns around and I thought she was cutting onions or the tears were streaming from her. And she's not a crier, if you know her. She she doesn't cry easily. I said, Alison, God told me something. Tears are streaming. She goes, (laughs) and I thought, oh no, somebody else is dead now. Somebody's died. That's what I thought. couldn't talk just totally overcome she points and on the table in the we had a round sort of dining room table and the points over and I go over she goes and there's a blue a wee a small blue King James Bible her grandfather gave her you know the brethren she was saying she brought up in the brethren preacher Eunice's daddy give her this blue King James Bible and she's pointing to it and I'm going you have to tell me love you have to help me here I, I, I don't know what's happening 
prayed with her and she sat her down. We sat at the table and she opened it up. And there she opened up the scripture and Jesus went a little further and fell on his face. And Jesus went a little further, it says, and he fell on his face. And she goes, I seen it. I says, what do you mean? She says, I don't know. I can't explain it. But when he fell, I says, Lord. He said, I was there. It was as if I was there and I, and I seen it. And I says, Lord, why did, you, why did you fall in your face? He says, and a voice said to me, for you. For you. And that was her broken. She couldn't even speak. I said, Alison, I have something else to tell you, love. I didn't want to add any more to her crying, but I says, love, I have something else to tell you. I says, the Lord spoke to me and says that we have to give everything we have away. We haven't to sell one thing, take money for anything, and we have to give all away and go to Romania. And she looks and says, I know he told me too. <laughs> and we did. We did just kept a couple of wedding presents that were personal that no one else would use or want everything and when we came back we lived in a bed sit because we had no house we had nowhere to live we couldn't get over and we were saying Lord we don't understand this how does this happen the Lord just kept telling us to trust him and we did and suddenly we got a car back. We ended up, we got a wee house, even though it was down in Donna Cloney. And that's another story. We had a knife and fork to eat our dinner with. Everything just started to come. And the Lord started to bless. And I took ill. I thought, what is going on? The Lord's blessing in one hand and this is happening on the other. Alison fell pregnant with Jody. She's working in a nursing home. I'm going out of my head living in Donna Cloney. Literally. Lord, we don't get this. The Lord says, you need to trust me. You need to trust me. Got to the point where my ape was so ill that they didn't know what was wrong with me and they were actually doing cancer tests on me for bone cancer. I started having a limp. I was walking, I couldn't move my, my hip. Agony. Started to collapse in really thin. I tried to go for a walk and I sat in a wee wall and there was a church sitting facing it. It was called Donna Cloney Elam. And the Lord says, I will place you in this place. I said, Lord, I've never been in that place. I still drove to Whitewell, up and down, every meeting. The Lord had me go to Dublin, pastored in Dublin. Things that happened there, maybe another time we'll talk about it. The darkness that came the fighting that came, the threats that came. And when I came back again, brothers and sisters, this is what happened. The Lord had me meet 
Pastor Sidney Kerr. I was going to wash the car and I seen a man I thought I knew him and he thought he knew me and it's a long story but we started to talk and he, he says, oh, you're the man in Dublin from Whitewell. I says, oh, well, I've left it now. I'm out. I'm waiting. The Lord told me, I believe he's called me out to go somewhere. And he says, well, come, he says, and into Elam. I says, no. I says, but if I, I says, if Eric McComb phoned me, he was the superintendent, I'll come in then. He says, Eric doesn't phone anybody. So about a month later, Monday morning, my phone rings. Alison gets the phone and brings it into me. She goes, it's for you. I said, who is it? She says, Eric McComb. Two thousand and eight. Do you know what church I ended up in? Donna Clonealum. I thought, I'm going mad here. Forgot about it, but the Lord didn't. He says, This is where you'll be. You see, Christ is still ruling. Christ is still reigning over all matters and all things. Next week we have a dedication. I'm going to bring a different word. God willing, next Sunday morning. Maybe the week after that. I'll maybe take us a bit deeper. God bless us this morning.